Benvenuti amici. <laughs> Welcome to episode 122 of Kimberly's Italy. I just screwed this entry uh, introduction up for, for the fourth time. In English yet. And I bet you're going to leave it. I am. <laughs> I'm a little... Stanka, a little tired, but I will prevail. Okay, so welcome to episode 122 on the awesome city of Pisa. For those of you listening for the first time, my name is Kimberly Holcomb, and I should perhaps just let Tommaso introduce himself at the very beginning each time, claiming he's favoloso. I'm here, and that's me. <laughs> All right, prior to starting... Tommaso Il Favoloso has something to say about a little technical hiccup. Yes, a little technical hiccup that wasn't Favoloso. Um, <laughs> we switched podcast hosting partners early last week, and it was a little bit of a, um, I would use other words if it weren't on this podcast, but it was a little bit of a, uh, a mix-up and uh, various things that syndicate the podcast throughout the world got a little bit mixed up. Uh, we're trying to set ourselves up for 2024 to launch some new things. And one podcasting partner just failed completely. So I spent the whole weekend trying to work to get the thing up. And if you got a temporarily unavailable, it was only temporary. And obviously now we're back. But my apologies if you wanted to spend your Sunday listening to 10 or 12 episodes because it was it was raining cats and dogs here. And that's that's what I would have done. I was driving up to the state of New Hampshire, and I thought, I'm going to listen to our most recent episode to see how we sounded, and first thing that comes up is, this Kimberly's Italy podcast is temporarily unavailable. So of you course. know what my next phone call was yes. to Tommaso. What the hell, man? I hadn't even had my second coffee yet. <laughs> so anyway, we're back. Tutto buono, right? Let's go. All is good. All right. Let's have a two-word Italian lesson here. Alerta notizie, and that obviously means just what it sounds like, news alert, but just a travel planning news alert. There's enough news in the world. We don't need any more bad news. This is, this is not great news, but it's news that I want to share. I want to emphasize that 2024 is right around the corner, and I'm saying this at the beginning of the episode because... I just got off the phone with a new client who really, really wanted to stay in one of the places I suggested for Tuscany for her trip in September 24, and it's completely booked. She was so bummed out on the phone just now. I was assuring her there's several, so many great places to choose from, but what happens is the sweet, the smaller, the more unique places in a reasonable price range go first. So please keep this in mind. If a visit to Bellitalia is on your 2024 calendar, and obviously, if you want my help to plan your trip, get in touch like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's also frustrating for you because you have this vision when you talk to people of how you can you know, help and, them. And they get excited. And they get excited after your initial phone call, and then right. all of a sudden, booked. Bummer. Do not fear. There are so many amazing places to stay if you plan in advance, okay? And this is 11 months in advance, and she's 
I'm going to work on her trip after this podcast. Allora, Pisa. Oh, bravo. Let's now get, he's, let's now get he's, going. Now he's sneaking in. All righty. Pisa, the second stop on our road trip that started this month, October 2nd. Obviously, everyone knows about Pisa because of the Leaning Tower. However, there is so much more to this city. That sounds like a TV ad. There's so much more. (laughs) But there is. But yet, I want to explain first how we got there because it was very funny. We left. We drove from Torino straight down to the Ligurian Sea. And if you recall, Tommaso, during our drive, as we got closer to the sea, the mountains started to change in shape and they're all covered in the vineyards that grow the grapes for the Barolo that we had loved during our stay in Torino. So it was a pretty drive. We get to the sea and we head south. And I had suggested, let's stop in Portofino because Tommaso has never been there. But we had a late start due to our two cappuccinos, which we had to have in two separate places in Torino because you can never ever order a cappuccino twice in one place. Even though they don't have vente cappuccino like Starbucks. (laughs) I mean, it's almost against the law. I I will say, I was thinking about this earlier. I did do it twice in the same place down in Puglia with you and Kitten Club number two. And we all went to that gelateria that we went to the night before, which was the best gelato ever. And we saw their beautiful espresso machines. So we thought, let's come back here. We did, all six of us. It was so good that everyone collectively said, can we have another one? I was like, I'll ask. But first, I apologize for what I was going to ask. And then she laughed and she gave us. (laughs) I begged her forgiveness for about to ask what I was going to. So in Torino, we had one our favorite place, which I will describe later. And then we had to have another because we had a long drive. So late start, I brought up the subject of Portofino and we decided as we got closer by noticing all the cars on the road, it was a beautiful Saturday. And we thought, "Mm, you know, Portofino, you have to park outside of the village itself, walk. I just thought it's going to be too crowded. Let's just get to Pisa. Not to mention the driver was a little bit under the weather. Oh. Just, yeah, just. there was that. <laughs> <laughs> but you were doing a stellar job. All right. So as we get into Pisa, stellar driver Tommaso driving the stick shift Fiat Tipo, we were following, I was following Google Maps to the destination we were staying in the Centro Storico. So even Google Maps cannot keep up with the detours caused by construction or road work, etc. So instantly we were taking right, taking left, all in the Centro Storico, in the ZTL zone, which you'll see those signs if you're driving, and that stands for Zona Trafico Limitato. So we're driving around, it was like getting comical, and finally I turned the voice off because she kept saying, take a right on to Corso Italia. So <laughs> We're trying to spell it. Right, right, right. So we turned that off and I'm just looking at the dot where our little palazzo is and said, okay, try this, try this. And then all of a sudden we enter Palazzo Cavalieri, which I recognize because it's my absolute favorite part of Pisa. And at the same time, I know that it's completely car-free except to like La Polizia. And us. Well, I was like, Dio mio, what are we going to do? And Tomas was like, 
We're plowing through. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still waiting for the 400 euro fine. Oh, at in the least, mail. right? <laughs> so it's a little palazzo, but it seemed to take like an hour to drive through that because I thought we're going to be surrounded by the Carabinieri and the Polizia, and we're the only car in there. So we finally get through, get through La Porta, the main gate. You know that in the old days is where you entered the piazza, and. Finally, down the way, we found our palazzo, and right after that, we found a parking spot, which the palazzo, when you're staying in a ZTL area, your accommodations will ask for your license plate, which is called a targa. You give that to them. They enter it into the system that the carabinieri or whomever looks at to see what bozo tourists are driving in the wrong place at the wrong time. but. They also, in some cases, allow you like a resident parking space if you are staying in one of these accommodations in the historic zone. So that's what we did. We found the space. We drag our luggage up the Stone Street, beautiful, beautiful area. And we walk into the palazzo and checked in with this sweet young woman named Maria. And this is a little side tangent, but Maria's from Mexico. She met her Italian now husband, somewhere in the hospitality industry, like a cruise ship maybe. And they got married and she now lives in Pisa and loves, loves life in Italy. So we check in and this palazzo was fabulous. Our room had this hand-painted ceiling in like a floral and graphic design, super uh, contempt. I just want to say one thing. My eyes got a little bit crossed when you and Maria started going from Italian to Spanish oh, yeah. to Italian to Spanish, I'm, like, I'm trying to comprehend like, just a little bit. And my Spanish is very poor, but I can pull back enough of it. So that was funny. Yes. I didn't even think about your your suffering. At All the I moment. want to do is go to bed and you're having this <laughs> meeting at the United Nations. Yes, as you recall from our last, or I should say, if you recall from our last episode, Tommaso had caught a cold on the plane or whatever, and he was still dragging it with him when we arrived in Pisa. But as I was going to say, this our room was fabulous with super contemporary bathroom, kind of eclectic furnishings that worked in a great way, comfortable bed, living room area. It was perfecto. Beautiful painted ceiling. Yes. And the best part about it, from my perspective, that particular day was there was a cocktail bar right down the street, mm -hmm. and it was also a lunch place. And, and it was a weekend. And it was a weekend. And I shut the windows and it was like, <laughs> perfect nap time. Yes, he did. He went straight into that comfortable bed. But it was, you know, late afternoon. So I did what I always do when I first get to a city, especially if it's to a place that I haven't been in a while. I just start walking just to refamiliarize myself with the city. And to give you the lay of the land, the city of Pisa is split in half from north to south by the Arno River. The train station being in the southern part of the city and the Torre di Pisa, the Leaning Tower of Pisa complex, at the most northern part. And I wanted to save walking through the Torre di Pisa until late at night, so I went east, west, and south. And I walked on every single little back street, small sidewalk, you name it just to get the lay of the land. Then I finally ended up at the river and the sun was starting to set and it was 
as we mentioned, it had been this stunning day. So this deep blue sky turning into like orange and red over the river. And all I could see peripherally was so many happy Italians enjoying aperitivo hour. And I was thinking, damn, Tommaso's cold is really screwing things up here. <laughs> so, because it was so idyllic and it was all Italians where I was at when the sun was setting. And or tourists were hanging out by the side of the river, looking at the sunset. But then a lot of young Italian kids, as you saw the next night, were sitting on the wall of the river. They had pizza, they had wine. That is allowed. It was fine. It was just, it's the place to be at sunset, this whole river area during aperitivo. I was like, okay, I'm going to make the most of it and find that enoteca that I had seen earlier in my walk, the wine store, wine bar, and buy us a bottle of, of wine. So I start meandering back that way and I got sidetracked by all these bookstores, literally like the same amount of bookstores that Torino had, and that's a much larger city, paper stores, you name it. So I finally like got myself out of those stores and I found the Enoteca and I bought a lovely bottle of red wine from the new consortium, relatively new consortium, four or five years old, called Terre di Pisa. Not Torre di Pisa, but Terre, which means the land around Pisa, where all these grapes are harvested and made into this delicious red wine. So I get back to the Palazzo. Tommaso opens his eyes. He sees me with his bottle of red. He got out of bed. <laughs> like, I feel good. <laughs> so we enjoy that beautiful bottle of wine and decided we don't need dinner, but a gelato was like, top of the list. Complete necessity. So I had read about the best gelaterias in Pisa. So we walked back down to the river and found the one that was number one on the list called Gelateria dei Cotelli. And clearly it's number one on this list I read for a reason. It was still open. It was like 9.30 or 10 o'clock, still open, but they didn't have many flavors left. Remember? Yes. I had to... Um try my first tiramisu flavor, which I'm a purist. When I have tir <laughs> tiramisu, I want to have tiramisu. Right. And uh, as good as it was, nothing can compare to tiramisu itself, which I know. I in a, in I a know future episode, say. hang in there, folks. We had the best tiramisu ever. ever. Mm -hmm, I normally that, don't say that. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, I think I had just like a small chocolato, whatever. And then we walked around all the little streets that I'd been on earlier so Tommaso could get a feel for the layout of the city. And I have to say, and this is like 10, 1030 at night, and it's one of those Italian cities where you can walk on the absolute smallest street late into the night, minimal lighting, no other people, and yet you feel completely safe. And that is not the norm in the United States. So it's a lovely feeling to be able to do this in Italy. We do it all over, everywhere, but this place felt especially quaint and quiet and calm and safe. It was lovely. So the next morning, we walked downstairs, and a really nice young man named Lorenzo was working in place of Maria. She had the day off. So we asked him where the best cappuccino is, because we had a few things to do, so we missed their breakfast. And he suggested a patisseria down the street. And 
what happened there? Well, he did us right because the that, barista, the barista at the patisseria, had the technique down. Where as he poured the skooma into the espresso, he kept moving his wrist to make a swan. I was wondering if he's going to spill this. And but we didn't know it was going to be the shape of a swan. Didn't know a swan, right? He was just moving it back and forth and left and right. I'm like, God, that's a pretty small cup. <laughs> And kid you not, then he took a teeny pointed utensil and made an eye in the swan's head. He did it for both of us, and yeah. we stood there staring at it. I and felt find- like, you know, that's like that's that's not it's not to drink. That's artwork. Exactly. I said, I hate to be. I said it in Italian. I hate to be like a typical tourist taking pictures of everything they eat or drink. But do you mind? He goes. No, he looks so proud. He goes, go ahead. <laughs> I said I was a professional photographer, and then I pull out my phone. <laughs> From there, from our fabulous little swan cappuccino, we walked back into the scene of the crime, the driving crime from the night before, Palazzo Cavalieri. And that means, just so you know, cavallo means horse, cavalieri means horseman or knightsman. And it was an open-air market because it was a Saturday. So booksellers galore antiques, and even that older gentleman that had those amazing prints of all the advertisements from, in my opinion, the best decades of design, like the Olivetti typewriter Very deco-ish. Yes, and all the Italian liqueurs like Chinar. I wanted to buy them all, and then I think he got that vibe, and then he was trying to be a really good salesperson, but we eventually moved on. <laughs> but I absolutely love this small palazzo's architecture, the size of it. It's my favorite place in Pisa. I mean, the Leaning Tower of Piazza and all of that complex is fantastic, but this small piazza is completely amazing to me. And if you recall, Tommaso, there is a church in there that's super simple and beautiful, but it was never open. And I was getting super frustrated every time we walked by, night, day, midday, nothing. There was no notice, nothing, not even an apology to me that I couldn't enter (laughs) the church because it's super sweet. Don't they know we were in Italy and you were there? It was a little frustrating. However, the rest of the piazza is amazing. And the main building is called Palazzo della Caravana. And it is located right behind the statue of Cosimo de' Medici, the first Cosimo, by the way, who was Italy's most famous patron of the arts. And I'm sure they placed him there in front of Palazzo Caravana because it is so stunning. Speaking of arts, you know, like that building stuck out. The entire facade is covered in hand-painted designs, which they call Scraffiti, just like the word graffiti, but with an S in front of it. And just for a little history, because I find this interesting, scraffiti stemmed from the word graphene, which was the Greek word for writing. But then it morphed to scraffito, graffito, which then for centuries was the word they used to describe a scratching type of art form. So now the word graffiti stems from all of that, but regardless, This building's facade is one of my favorite, favorite facades from the entire Renaissance, and it's in remarkable condition. I took close-up pictures of it. It's stunning, and it's super unique 
for the rest of this area, I think. The entire Piazza di Cavalieri is a complete gem, if you ask me, even including Chiesa di Santo Stefano that was never open. But it is truly <laughs> my favorite part of Pisa. And for any of you that are debating going to visit the Leaning Tower, but more importantly, go to Pisa, stay at least a night or two, and go to this piazza. Yeah, don't just don't just bus in and bus out. See, that is the problem. All right, I'm on a tangent here, but I did want to say this. That is the problem of Pisa. People take day trips. If they're in Florence, they take the train directly to Pisa. They walk through the city, don't see a thing. They go up that main corridor over the river, corridor meaning sidewalk, street, over the river, go to Leaning Tower Pisa, walk back, get on the train. Same from Luca, same from everywhere. Go stay in Pisa. Get there one night, kind of late, the crowds are gone. Walk around at night just like we did. Then spend the day looking at all this architecture. Go to the Leaning Tower and leave the next day. Stay two nights. It's fabulous. And also, to be honest, when we first got there and we're walking around that first evening after you took your reposal, you were thinking, or at least you said, I don't know, it's a little tacky because... Close, of, all, of all the little tchotchkish stores. Yeah, close to where we were staying, the shops that were open had the little stands outside with the Leaning Tower Pisa. Refrigerator magnets. Exactly. So you said that the first night, and I thought, mm, wait till he sees the rest. And then I overlooked that because I think the rest of the little city is quite fine. Yes, yes. And on the river, particularly, walking up and down the river and on, across the river, on the bridges, that sort of opened my eyes a little bit. Okay, good. So you changed your tune after that first night. So after we left the piazza, we decided, well, it's market day. There's going to be shops and fruit vendors and everything all over the city. So we walked just randomly into the various piazzas and there were fruit and vegetable markets everywhere. And we were so envious. Every single piazza we went into, we're like, Dio mio, you know, because the fall the fall season is rich with truffles and mushrooms, zucchini flowers everywhere, all the root vegetables, and every single tourist, including ourselves, just stood there staring at this. Well, I looked at the mushrooms because the porcini oh, right. mushrooms oh, man, they are, were the, amazing. are the size of softballs <laughs> of my hand, and they were one euro per kilo. Per kilo. That's what I saw. I saw some, uh, while driving on the left, I saw some vendors with tons of them you mean on the side of the road on the side of the road during yes during our trip so they were i would assume they were one kilo maybe less i, w I would assume they're probably one euro per kilo or perhaps for 500 grams or something like that but they were cheap for what you got and compared to what we get exactly all wrapped in plastic but that's the other thing i wanted to say every single piazza all the fruit and vegetables are lined up or displayed in these wooden boxes, not a single plastic bag in sight. People bring their own canvas shopping bag and eat the freshest organic fruit and vegetables. We're like, mm, okay, let's move to Pisa. <laughs> did you look in an apartment in Pisa like you always do? I did not. Okay. Anyway, so we kept walking south over the river with the goal to see the mural that the artist Keith Herring painted in 1989 on the side of an old convent. The story goes that a local Pisan man named Pier Giorgio, that's his first name, 
that awesome? Pier Giorgio Castellani met Keith Haring in New York City and suggested that he come to Pisa one day. So Keith did, and he spent days walking around the city, taking in the color palette, looking at everything, watching everything. And then he went back and he created in total typical Keith Haring style, the mural that he called Tutto Mondo, which means all the world. And in this mural is represented every single color that he saw on those richly toned buildings all over the city. Yeah, the, the palette is very different than any Keith Herring's out there. Very true. Muted, yes. paler blues and greens and coral. He absorbed the fact from his few days of walking that all the world goes to Pisa to see a building that's leaning, a tower that's leaning. And he found it amazing that people from all corners of the earth went to Pisa to see this leaning tower. And then he combined that with the colors of the palette scheme of the city and voila, tutto mondo. Imagine in 200 years when people are going to the, well, maybe it'll still be leaning, uh, but- It was leaning right after they built it. So Uh, it will still be there. Quick update, Bologna, one of the towers in Bologna- both towers is is leaning very very precariously they've shut down the area in bologna because we were like one block two blocks from that in we bologna. can see it right outside of our window we yes. can see it from our bed yes that's a shame well finally about this mural unfortunately the location is not that great because it's close to the train station it's not as special as i wish it had been in another location but It is a very happy mural representing the entire world that visits Pisa. All right, after our long morning of walking, we needed lunch because keep in mind, we didn't have dinner the night before, which is like almost a crime when you're in Italy, right? We found our way back to this teeny little piazza I had seen the previous afternoon. I had noticed this sweet, casual looking, you know, just like lunch place. And we finally found it, and there were maybe five, six tables outside. The last available table was in the shade, grazie Dio, because <laughs> it was it warm, still very warm. And so we sit down, and I just look up at Tommaso, and I thought, oh, how perfect. It was just the quintessential background view behind Tommaso, this ancient tower made of stone. It was also leaning a tad. This ancient, ancient tower made of stone and brick with wooden doors that were, I don't know, 16 feet tall, you know, the arched doors. And then, you know, like two or three other ochre yellow buildings off to the side. And then right behind Tommaso was this massive bike rack with tons of bikes, the random Vesper or two. And it was just this like normal, everyday little piazza of Pisa, where all the people that work in various places ride to, they park their bike. There was not a tourist in sight. It wasn't a touristy location close to the Leaning Tower or the river, just a random teeny little piazza where we had a perfect lunch. And I just felt like this is real, real life in Pisa. Those small things make me really happy to find a little place where you just don't feel like a tourist. Right. Of course. And by the way, 
since we always talk about our food, I had one of those insalata con tono, the salads they make with tuna, which somehow just seem different and much better in Italy. And surprise, surprise, uh, Tommaso had something with prosciutto. And we now have a sign out of the house, outside the house that says, meat not eaten here. <laughs> Because I ate so much meat on this whole trip, but that's okay. I'm good with it. I'm, I'm sort of drying out. Yes, detox. And of course, at lunch, we had an Aperol spritz because we had to. So after that lovely little idyllic lunch, we walked every other single little side street that we haven't covered yet. And that is where Tommaso also noticed the fabulous architecture just dotted everywhere in this teeny city. Renaissance, Romanesque, Gothic and all of it seemingly houses things to this day. Some small businesses or some municipal offices, it's all used, it's all just taken advantage of, not taken advantage of, it's- It's it's still all in use and modified to work with today's world. Exactly, including back in my favorite little piazza, the building we described, Palazzo della Caravana. We walked in there because we saw a lot of, people walking in, but what we didn't notice is they were students. So we walked in there hoping, oh, maybe it's a museum. I'm dying to see the inside of this place. But we got to the top and it's like, sorry, this is for University of Pisa students. The one thing I want to mention, which we'll go into at a later episode also, all those buildings were wired for fiber. Correct. For wired for fiber. And I'll go on a little bit of a rant in a future episode about speeds over there and speeds here and costs there. Rant. And we were cost. obsessed, really. Well, I had, had, had to do some research. All these older buildings wired for fiber optics. All right. You got on a tangent there again, but that's all right. It's a, it's a tech tangent. I'm allowed. <laughs> if I can't right. talk about meat, I'll talk about tech. <laughs> Oh my God, your life is too small. <laughs> Those are your two favorite things. <laughs> I take that back. That sounded mean. It's cute. All right. So after this lovely day, here's the funny part, and then I'll end. And we'll go into a second episode on Pisa because it truly is worth staying at. So I had said to Tommaso, all right, I am going to purchase a ticket for, it's called Piazza dei Miracoli. Piazza of the Miracles. And that is where the Leaning Tower, the Duomo, all these other buildings are located. So it's like a complex. So it's completely free to walk around, but you cannot enter any building without a ticket. So I thought 6.30 will be good. Most of the tourists will be heading to dinner. It'll be fine. And I do believe that the last hour you can enter anything is 7.30 p.m., and I wanted to go into two of these buildings and I wanted to stay a while. So 6.30 it was. So we leave our palazzo, walk a few minutes, we turn the corner and what do we see? A lot. A mob. A lot of people. I was like, duh, it's a Saturday evening, absolutely stunning weather. And it's one of the most visited place in Italy. So... There were so many people, but we went anyway, and we loved it, loved it. And that is why I'd like to have a second episode, because two of the buildings, the Duomo and the Campo Santo, that we entered that day were amazing. But before we end, I would like to say that 
the majority of the people that were just hanging out on the grass area where they allow you to sit were Italians. Kids were playing soccer, running around. The parents were, it's like a gathering place. It was lovely. They do block off some parts of the grass so that every tourist can get the quintessential photo of the Leaning Tower without a million people in front. But we we ourselves sat on the side of the Duomo on the, or it was the baptistry. We sat on the side of the baptistry and watched all these Italians loving life in Pisa. Okay, allora, e basta, Tommaso. Okay, e basta. Yes, we will have to have another episode on Pisa. Okay, grazie mille a tutti e ciao ciao. Ciao ciao. <laughs>